Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. One more time. Merry Christmas. So glad you are here. I'm Pastor Anthony. And I just got to say, last service, the 4 o'clock, it was packed, but I think out of like the 500 people, 600 of them were three and under. And it was loud and awesome and beautiful, but oh, you guys, yeah, there we go. It's a little bit more peaceful, more silent night, but we are so glad you are here. You made it. I, I, everyone take a breath. Breathe out. The last couple of days, weeks, been a little crazy getting ready for this evening and, and next week, or not next week, I see I'm already there, uh, uh, tomorrow. But I just invite you for the next couple of minutes, I know you're here, but to, to be here, just be present to God's presence this evening. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you have gathered your church to retell and be part of the story of the birth of your son. So as we hear from the scriptures, may you awaken our ears, our minds, our very imaginations of how you are speaking to us through your holy scriptures this evening. It's in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. You'd think Christmas and Easter would be the easiest sermons to write, because it's the same story, but that makes it the most difficult sermon to write. I was talking to Chaplain Muckow. How many Christmas Eve services have you preached? 63. 63. 63. I'm complaining. This is like five, right? (laughs) 63. Oh, my Lord. Just thank you for your service. What What a gift you've been to God's people. But they're actually, it's the most difficult sermons to write because it's the same story and you, we just heard it from uh, Luke chapter 2. We know we're here to celebrate the birth of Christ. My favorite reading of chapter 2 from Luke is from Charlie Brown. Lioness, when he gets up and read it, Charlie Brown has been trying to help everyone kind of recapture the, the meaning of Christmas, and in true Charlie Brown fashion, he fails, and he's disappointed, and, and Lioness walks up onto the stage, and the spotlight goes on him, and he reads from the, the Gospel of Luke, then walks over to Charlie Brown and says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And it's really a simple and beautiful message we are gathered to hear that, that God came to dwell with his people, that the God who created everything took on the creation that he formed to dwell with us. And that's what we're here to celebrate this evening. But we, we jump in at Luke 2. And Luke 2 is actually kind of pretty far into the story Much like you and I have been preparing for days, weeks leading up to the next couple days, God had been up to doing something. He had been preparing for the birth of his son, actually all the way back in Genesis. We're not going to go all the way back there this evening, but I want us to take a moment and drop in at Luke 1, the beginning of this gospel, because it kind of builds anticipation of what we, we just heard from Luke 2. In Luke 1, the gospel actually begins not with with Jesus, but the announcement of his cousin, that his cousin John was going to be born to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Now, this couple, they were old. They were really old. They, they, they did not have the hope of a child anymore. They, they were childless. 
Zechariah, he was a priest, and he was in the temple doing his priestly duties, and out of nowhere, an angel appears to him. And we read this, and Zechariah was troubled, you think, an angel out of nowhere, boom, angel, and he's troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, read that with me, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Imagine that prayer. A lifetime of praying that him and his wife will be blessed with a child. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And the angel goes on to explain that this, this child of theirs would go in the spirit and power of one of the greatest prophets of Israel, that, that this child would grow to be the last greatest prophet of Israel, announcing the coming Messiah that their people had been longing for, that Zechariah had probably prayed for daily in the temple for his entire life. But this is hard to believe. This is, this, this is the kind of news that seems too good to be true. And, and the angel uh, and Zechariah asked, how will I know this is actually going to happen? And the angels answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And, and Zechariah loses his ability to speak, and he finds out that his wife indeed is pregnant. We read a little bit farther into Luke 1, and, and this time Gabriel and Mary. And we read, and, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Again, an angel pops onto the scene. But she was greatly troubled at that saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, what? Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Again, the angel had to calm Mary's fears had to calm Zachariah's fears before they could proclaim this message that he was called to bring to them on behalf of God. And Mary's response is beautiful. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We continue to read, and, and Mary and Elizabeth meet, and when the, Luke tells us that when Mary came into the presence of Elizabeth, that, that John in her womb leaped at the, at the Messiah being carried in Mary's womb. And Luke tells us that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she affirms that the, the child in, in Mary's womb is indeed the Christ. And we read that, that John indeed, indeed is, is born, and at that moment, uh, they look to John, like, or to Zachariah, like, what are we going to name your child? And he writes on a tablet, John. And then his mouth is open, and he can speak again, and he prophesies over this child, and he praises God for the fulfillment of his promise. That's all in Luke 1. God was up to something preparing us for Luke 2. If you look in your Bible, it says probably something in the header along the lines of 
the birth of Jesus Christ, but out of the almost 20 verses we just read from, it's only two verses that actually describe the birth of Jesus Christ. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That's it. The birth of the Savior of the world. The birth of God in flesh. Two verses. It's like he's sneaking in under the radar. Almost like he doesn't want to be noticed. And then we have shepherds and angels. So what should we expect? What words? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, filled or find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger again. The angel has to calm their fear before they can receive this good news. It's the same story. Some of us have preached it longer than the pastors of this church have been alive. Where do we go with it? Now you might be thinking, oh, he's been emphasizing this fear not. And when I first started preparing for this passage, that's what was jumping out at me. I mean, the world's a crazy place, right? It's a lot to be afraid about. But as I was praying and, and saying, Holy Spirit, what, how do you want to tell this story this year? I'm not going to emphasize the fear not for two reasons. One, the last three years have just been crazy, right? Like, it's been a weird three years. And... A lot of us, if we are kind of go to church every so often over those three years, we've probably heard many sermons about don't be afraid, faith over fear, brother. And I'm like, what does that even mean? All right, it's Christianese. And I've probably preached a sermon like that over the last three years. But the main reason I don't want to go there this evening is the text doesn't stay there. Really, the the text isn't focused on the fear of Zechariah or Mary or, or or the shepherds. Does Luke acknowledge their fear? Yes. And I want to acknowledge for some of us, many of us in this room, there's some really scary things going on where fear is a real thing, where maybe you need to hear fear not. But but this passage. This story, it's not about us and our fear. It's not about Mary and Zachariah and the shepherd's fear. It's actually about what God is doing in the midst of their fear, of their troubled hearts, of their doubts, of their worries. This simple Christmas story is about God fulfilling his promises despite of everything that's going on in these characters' lives, despite what's going on in your life. That God shows up, the promise he made way back in Genesis 3, that his son would come and stomp the head of the serpent and destroy sin and destroy death 
and redeem his people from sin and redeem you and I who still are stuck and struggling with sin day in and day out. The Christmas story is about God fulfilling his word. Again, he showed up as a baby. Definitely not the way the prophets thought he would show up. In a quiet, innocent baby. To a mom and dad whose reputation has been tarnished in a backwoods town. And yet he keeps his promise to these characters. And in the midst of their worries and their fears, how do they respond? They worship. The birth of John, Zachariah, prophesies and worships. Mary worships. The the angels worship. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. They worshiped. The response to the birth of God in the flesh, in the Christ child, is worship. What I love about music, especially hymns, is they can say way more in a short stanza than any preacher can say in a 30-minute sermon. This is what I want us to do. Last service, this went beautiful, so let's hope, hope, I hope it goes beautiful again, but we're going to worship. We're going to sing. One of my favorite Christmas hymns is O Holy Night. So if, if you would just, just trust me and go with me. If, you, if you're able, just stand up for a second. We sing better standing up. And Jim here in the front row, he'll, he, he belts it out. He'll help, but hold on. I need to get to the... Oh, the piano moved. All right. Oh, holy night. that we just entered into the story 
the saints of old, the saints around the world, the saints in this room. We worship the newborn king. You may be seated. The surround sound between the choir and, and, and the choir. We worship. What I love about that song is that there's a darkness to it. See, we're here on Christmas Eve, and we know that Christ is here with us. We read it in the scriptures, and by faith we receive that promise, but yet we can't lie to ourselves that this world is still very broken. There's multiple wars going on around the world tonight. There's some of you that you're waking up tomorrow morning for the first time without your spouse next to you. There's some of you, this is the first time where mom and dad aren't together for Christmas. For some of you, this may be your last Christmas because of the diagnosis. So what does Christmas mean? Is this just a time for us to come together and be nostalgic and make us feel better and talk about Charlie Brown? No. It's about receiving God's promise and faith that he has come to us. Why can we sing, O Holy Night, and, and, wave, and, and celebrate the, the morn bursting forth in glory because what the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for what? All the people. For unto you is born what? This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This day, when the angel showed up to the shepherds, he wasn't saying, like, tomorrow or in a few weeks. This day, and we, and, and we receive those words this evening. This day, the Messiah is with you. He is with you. And this child grew up. And we read in the Gospels that Jesus did a lot of things just like us. He went to weddings just like us. And he drank really good wine at weddings, which he made just like us. He had knucklehead friends just like us. If you're like, I don't have knucklehead friends, you're the knucklehead friend, friend. And we read in the gospel accounts, like, there were some weird family dynamics when Jesus was like, yeah, I'm the son of God. And his other siblings were like, what? Any of us have weird family dynamics? Yeah, just like us. And he experienced true beauty and joy just like us, but at the same time, was crushed by grief by the death of a friend just like us. This Christmas season, he came to be with us, to live a life just like us. But here's the other part of the story. Not just like us, but for us. Because as we read, we even sang in, in uh, the last hymn, this man grew up, but he experienced a pain of separation and, and agony from sin that you and I will never experience because God became flesh for us. 
He was rejected for us. He was crucified for us. He bore the weight of the world's sin upon himself for you and for I and for everyone. But he rose for us. God is for us in Christ. And that's why we gather to retell the story year in and year out until he returns again. Just like we drop in at Luke 2, if you're visiting from out of town, this isn't your home church, welcome, we love that you're here. If you're checking us out, welcome, we love that you're here. But you've kind of dropped into the middle of the story because we've been celebrating for the past several weeks a season called Advent. And it's a season where the church prepares for this day where we've spent the last several weeks looking at the brokenness in this world, the sin in this world, the darkness in this world, kind of longing and mourning, saying, God, are you going to show up? Where are you? And he is here now. But Advent isn't about just today. It's about the second coming of Christ. You see, his first coming, he kind of snuck in under the radar. Just an innocent baby. Went unnoticed. But his second coming, the scriptures tell us. We don't know when. We don't know what it's going to look like. But when he does come, the scriptures say that every single knee, every single knee will bow to his name. Every tribe, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And all the brokenness in this world, all the death, the pain, the sorrow that you are experiencing now, the things that cause you to be fearful now will be judged and done with once and for all. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we long and we wait for that day. And we, we wait for that glorious morn to burst onto the scene when Christ returns. But till then, we know the good news. Emmanuel, that God is with us. It's a simple, beautiful story. In the words of the great theologian Linus, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Amen.